It's great to have my dear friend for almost 40 years, Dr. Jeff Walker and his wife, Shelly, here today from California. And um, we met at an R.W. Schambach tent revival when we were young men. And uh, he introduced me to a whole world. He was O. Roberts, Pastor Jeff was O. Roberts' pastor for years and allowed me uh, to come with him many times to spend time with Oral, things like that. Uh, over the years that I'm very grateful for our friendship and for all that uh, Jeff Walker means to us and his family means to us. I'm continuing a series on the book of Romans. My subtitle today is Our Loving God Works All Things Together for Good. And we'll be talking about that very verse from chapter 8 of Romans. Before I do, let me show you um, something I'm proud of, a, a little meme I gave birth to this week. And um, it has kind of a redemptive message in it. Let's watch it again. She throws the ball into the wrong lane and bounces all the way back into the right lane. By the time she turns around, it's a strike. Anybody got some testimonies like that, that you don't know how, but somehow God made it end well, and uh, couldn't resist that one. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 11, I have used this verse so many times praying for people, because it really carries with such a great promise about the abiding work and nature of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. Verse, verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body, your physical body, through his spirit that dwells in you. So we used to sing a song when I was growing up, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. So the promise is that you have a healer living inside of you if you're born again. And the healer is able to quicken, to animate, and to breathe life into every single cell of your body. So I thank God many times, praying for some. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for quickening, for bringing life, restoration, and healing for this person in Jesus' name. It's such a great promise from God. And uh, we can all just boldly stand on next verses. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. So Paul talks often about this contrast between our fleshly dominance and our spiritual inheritance, our spiritual new life, our new nature. And he said, whatever one you feed, Colossians says this, put on the new man. That's renewed in knowledge. So whatever you feed becomes dominant. So for us as believers, when we feed our spirit, when we feed our faith, we then triumph over doubt and fear and unbelief and negative things and then even sinful behavior. So whatever you feed becomes strong. When you walk in the spirit, we don't overcome sin by focusing on sin. We overcome sin by focusing on righteousness, by focusing on who God's made us to be and focusing on the promises of God in our new nature. So then you're going to get into really beautiful stuff here in the next verse. For as many as are led by the Spirit, 
these are the sons of God. So he said every believer that has the leadership of the Holy Spirit as the number one guiding instrument of God's will and purpose in their life. For you have not received the spirit of bondage, verse 50, to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. What a beautiful title of the Holy Spirit, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, Father, Father. The Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Someone asked, you know, it's, it's a, not just a theological thing. I used to, when people asked, would ask me, I'd be witness to someone, how do you know you're saved? I'd quote, you know, half a dozen scriptures. Now I just tell them, I know deep down here. I know deep in my innermost being, the Holy Spirit bears witness that I'm a child of God. Verse 17, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our hearts, we're the children of God. Verse 17, if children, then by natural course and by reasonable, you know, family connection, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint co-equal heirs with Christ. Indeed, if we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. So let's talk about this. Jesus said, I'm, Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm sending someone just like me. And he uses the great word paraclete, parakletos. And a paraclete, one that comes alongside to help, to a compound word in the Greek. A paraclete in antiquity was a defense attorney, but it also carries great meaning in, in, in synonyms. So here's nine theologically, biblically accurate to the language synonyms. The Holy Spirit's our helper, New King James. He's our comforter, King James. He's our counselor. Those are all synonyms of paraclete. He's our encourager, our teacher. He's our strengthener. He's our guide. He's our advocate. The Holy Spirit does all of, he's our intercessor. He's all of those nine things. So the Holy Spirit brings such a, a broad capacity of expression and, and potential in my life. When I need counsel, I've got the greatest counselor in the universe in me. When I'm hurting, I have the greatest comforter. When I need guidance, I have the guide. I have a helper that helps me in all of the arenas of my life. Christ talked about this in John 16. He said this about the Holy Spirit. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, another great descriptive title of the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. He won't speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. That's exactly the same behavior Christ said he had toward the Father. And he will tell you things to come. King James, show you things to come. The word tell or show, adogio, the Greek word, means a guide that shows a traveler the safest course through an unknown country. So he will help you navigate places you've never been and let you experience things you've never known and give you things you've never had. He will help you navigate through 2023, the turbulent waters, the minefields of culture. He will guide you into things you don't know, show you things to come. Both, you know, I, 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 that verse really helped me claim prophetic gifts when I was just a teenager to really stand and claim for it. But the Holy Spirit guides. He's the one that knows the terrain that we're walking through. So you can trust the Holy Spirit. He will help you. He won't fail you. And he has your best interest in mind. 
The same idea Paul talks about in Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 18. But if you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, evil, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, just like an average day in America. Which I've told you beforehand, and I've told you in the past, that those that practice such things do not inherit the kingdom of God. I have to park there because man, oh man, you talk about scriptures being abused. <clears throat> so in one, in a major denomination, I'm honored on Wednesday, Mary Neville will be spending time with the new Catholic uh, bishop. Is that what they call him, honey? The big guy in charge? Here in Arizona. Excited. So if, if they invite me to anything like that, they're, they're going to get prophesied over. So that's just the way it goes. I try to, I try to help myself. I can't help myself. And this, that scripture has been used to say, well, if you have any of these sinful struggles, you're going to hell. Well, then you're talking about like half the church. No, no, no I mean, two-thirds of the church. That are battling with different kinds, still not overcome, fighting addictions, fighting sexual temptation, whatever it is. And here's what it means. You can't experience the full measure of the abundant life God has for you in the kingdom as long as you're still bound by that sin. So it wasn't about going to heaven. Those sins don't stop you from going to heaven. They stop heaven from coming to you. Come on, you've got to get this. Because one denomination has this, this you know, that, that you have to, on your deathbed, confess your last sins or else you, you're eternal security may not be settled. I, I'm like, nonsense. What if our person, if you're saved, you're going to heaven. Now God wants you to walk in victory, overcoming sin on earth. But there are lots of people in process. Pastor, pastor, what's wrong, what's wrong? I, one of the ushers I saw in the parking lot, he was smoking a cigarette. See, I grew up at a time, you know, my Pentecostal dear friends in the front row. So, so, so we know about, if you smoke, you're going to hell. Pastor, pastor, if, if someone smokes, are they, going to, are, are, are they going to hell? No. They're just going to heaven early. <laughs> well, what if they drink? Well, people shouldn't get drunk. Bad things happen when people get drunk. So it leads to sinful behaviors. Anger, all these things. So that's just fleshly stuff. So as long as we're on this planet, we, we, we're, we're our flesh, your flesh is stupid. Left to itself, it does stupid things. So we're watching the culture get stupid. What do you do? The other day I had to look something up. They were doing something I'd never heard of. I had to Google new sins. Whoa. I'm just a church boy. Stuff's happening. I've never even, what? They're doing what? How? With who? Holy moly. So, you know what sinners are really good at? Sinning. And Paul said, we want to overcome those things. Okay, we want to overcome. But here's how, he said, here's how we win facing those things. But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22... 
if you want to overcome your flesh, walk in the Spirit. But the fruit, the evidence, the giftings, the virtues, the power of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, patience, self-control. Against such there is no law. So Paul said the way I overcome those sins is with this fruit. If you want to be led by the Spirit, be led by love. Jesus said a new commandment. There's five hundred, I think, 60-odd rabbinic commandments in the Torah, in the Bible. Jesus said, I got one. Here's my commandment. Love each other. If you love each other, you'll fulfill all those other commandments. Chapter 13 we'll get to next week. Love, or two weeks. Love is the fulfillment of the law. We have no debt except to love each other. So when seven times in the Gospels, Jesus was, a great sentence, he was moved with compassion. So the Holy Spirit inside of Christ awakened through deep, compassionate, merciful love, a care for someone who was suffering. Every time Christ was moved with compassion, a miracle happened. A dead boy was raised, blind eyes were opened, lepers cured. Every time, follow where love leads you and you'll be walking in the Spirit. See, when I walk in the Spirit, when, when beautiful Mary and I were first married, her, her parents were devout Catholics. I have so many cool Catholic friends now, if they just would have lived a little longer, we got to visit the Pope, they would have been so, from heaven they were fine. oh, we're finally proud of him. Look at Mike's with the Pope. That happened. But her father wouldn't talk to me for months, for like a year. Because I was like a nightmare. Her, her, her parents, devout Catholics, I wasn't just a Protestant, I was a pastor Protestant. A preacher. I mean, the Antichrist. So I come into the room, her father would turn his chair, and I said, oh, I, I guess you don't want to talk, you know. And so it was really difficult. So my flesh says, I'm going to marry your daughter, and you're never going to come to my house. You're never going to see your grandkids. To H with you, old man. My flesh had all those ideas because I'm a normal person. <laughs> Maybe a little extra normal. My spirit said, just keep loving them. Keep loving them. We, we loved, especially, they, they never stopped loving Mary. It was me. I, we loved them until they started liking me. And we never let off offense, hatred, anger get in. You can't let someone's behavior determine your behavior. You can't let someone's hatred make you a hater. You can't let someone's offensive behavior towards you make you offend. Man, just if you walk in love, you win the day. And you'll be walking as many as are led by the Spirit, as many as are be led by love. These are the children of God. Well, Pastor, we need to preach the truth. I know we do. But whenever you speak truth without love, it becomes error. It's not heard as truth. It's not received as truth. So we want to walk in the Spirit. Amen? When we do, oh, so many good things happen. 1 John 3, 1 says this. Behold, what manner, what fashion, what quality of love 
the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, the sons of God. So the Holy Spirit, our guide, the first thing he does, what does he do, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. The first thing he does is tell us who we are. You've not received the spirit of bondage to fear. Now, here's what Paul said. Paul knew what it was like to be in perpetual bondage because he tried to please God by fulfilling every commandment of God. And he said, he came to this conclusion in chapter 4 and chapter 6, there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The law is perfect, it's holy, it's godly, but the law gives us no access to God. You can't get to heaven through the law. You can only get to heaven through grace. And so the law convicts me so grace can forgive me. And, and so in, in, in this chapter he said this, I'm delivered from, I'm no longer under the weight of trying to make God like me by being good enough. See, I, I fell into the trap as a young preacher of being self-righteous. And, and I thought, I'm living so good, of course God loves me. You kidding me? Ooh, look at the way I live. Look at my moral life. Look at my behavior toward it. Look at my sacrifice. Look at my giving. Oh, he's got to love me. And then I found out God loves me as just as much on my worst day than on my best day. God loves me big church, no church. God loves me things go wrong. God, that his love is not conditioned on my behavior. And I had to escape from, see, see back in Pentecost, we, you could measure a person's godliness by even their dress. The higher a woman's dress got, the more sinful she was. And I've been in services where, where girls would come to church with not even that low of a dress, but they'd be handed, oh, please put this around, a, a blanket or something. What? Below the knee, you're going to heaven. Above the knee, you're a harlot going to hell. And I remember the big controversy about makeup. Can you imagine ladies being told you can't go to heaven if you wear makeup? Come on. Pastor, what do you feel about makeup? If the bar needs painting, paint it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's sexist. I, I, I don't know. So God says to us, I'm free you from, you no longer have to try to, by a merit system, get to me. Here's who you are. The spirit of God, the spirit of adoption inside of you says, Daddy God, Father God. Remember the first time you heard someone say, Daddy God, you're like, what? That is inappropriate. That is wrong. He's the almighty God. And, and, and yet the Holy Spirit inside of me says, I belong to someone now. And the fear of not being good enough that creates constant rejection, constant striving. Come on, a, a, a few years ago, in one calendar year, I fasted, complete fast, just water, 100 days. Two 40-day fasts, 20 20, or, you know, I think 40-day fast and like three 20-day fast, 21-day fast. 
So, so my wife's so sweet. She's like, oh, you know, I, I love you, Michael. But I don't know if you're fasting to seek God or to earn his approval. I know. Why would you say such a horrible thing? <laughs> it was like, do you know the truth sets you free right after it beats the crap out of you? <sighs> well, I, I'm, I'm like, I think she's on to something. The Holy Spirit tells me who I am. This Holy Spirit reveals. Now I say this, this is a kind of a little common thing here. We believe, all of Christianity believes that the most important thing in life is what you believe about Jesus Christ. Your eternity, your eternity hinges on who you say Jesus is. But I'd like to add this second point. I believe the second most important thing in life is what you believe about yourself. Because it's impossible to see life right when you see yourself wrong. And, and Paul said, the first mission of the Holy Spirit is to help you get it. Here's who you are. You're no longer an orphan. You're a child of God. See, we're all, we all were born in the orphanage of sin. Estranged from God by our sinful inheritance and then our own sinful lives. And, and Christ came into that orphanage and said, I want him, I want her. And adopted us into his family. The father did. And then in the kingdom, he retrains the way we think. So we stop thinking like rejected, abandoned orphans. And start thinking like beloved, accepted, greatly loved children of God. That's the battle. And we can tell where we are on that journey by the decisions we make. Holy Spirit telling us who we are. We're the children of God. This is a great parable. It's impossible to see life right. When you see yourself wrong, you will always see life wrong. When you misunderstand yourself, you will never understand life. So the Bible is a book of identity, not just behavior. Primarily identity. Jesus gives three great parables, including my favorite parable. He gives us around 40 parables in the Gospels. He gives three of them back-to-back -back in Luke 15. A woman lost a coin, a farmer lost a sheep, and a father lost a son. Now, they kind of grow in intensity. The first two are metaphors, coin and sheep. Now we get to a son, a young son, the youngest of two sons, asked for his inheritance early, took it immediately after it was given, and moved to a, far, a faraway land and wasted it all on prodigal living. He wasted his gift, he wasted his resource, he wasted his years on sinful living. When he ran out of friends, excuse me, when he ran out of money, he ran out of friends, and, and, and then he had to take a job working at the pig farm. So Christ uses imagery that was so intense. We kind of, it's kind of lost to us Gentiles, but Jews weren't allowed to even touch pigs, let alone eat pig meat. So they were unclean. And so he's working at a job he hates. Eventually sin makes you do what you hate. Eventually sin makes you. So the Bible says, when he came to himself, Shandai Mandai, 
He said, my father's servants live better than this. It was the goodness of his father that drew him back to his boyhood home. The goodness of God, chapter 2, leads people to repentance. You have to get this. We're not going to win them by assaulting them with condemnation. We're going to win them by demonstrating the goodness of God in such an attractive way they're drawn in. Now, it doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't mean, oh, Pastor, you're, are you tolerant? Of course not. But, but our job is not to convict people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to lovingly introduce them to Jesus and then let him clean them up. We don't have at the door, we don't stop people, excuse, excuse me, before you come to church today, um, here's a little survey. Uh, are you a smoker? Are you a drinker? Are you having sex outside marriage? Are you a tither? Are you a cusser? Are you angry? You know, no, we want all those people to come to church. Why? Because we're a hospital, not a museum. Come on. So, <laughs> we're all, it's just, isn't human nature great? Five minutes after you're saved, you're tempted to become a Pharisee. I can't believe they're doing that. So sinful. You were just doing that five minutes ago. You know who hates smokers the most? People that stop smoking. Oh, it's just a filthy habit. I can't believe they're going to hell. No, no one goes to hell because they smoke. They just go to heaven early. It's just the way it is. God helps us. So, so this, this boy lost. He said, I'm going to go home. Disheveled, his clothes tattered and torn. His weight lost. His body covered with pig mud. <laughs> There's too many godly people here for me to cuss. I was, I was tempted. Between the Holy Spirit and my wife, I'm always convicted. He's, he's shuffling home. And while he's a great way off, his father sees him and races down the hill and scoops up his wayward son. He says, welcome home. And starts kissing him over and over. The kisses of love, acceptance, forgiveness. Before he was cleaned up, he was loved up. wasn't really a great sentence, but it worked okay. And then the son begins his speech. He said, I'm not, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. I've, by my behavior, I've been disqualified for being a son. Just make me a servant. The greatest consequence of sin is it turns sons into slaves. And the father ignored his son because he knew he was speaking out of brokenness. And he turns to his servant. He says, go back home. Get my best robe. Because I'm going to heal 
my son's identity. I'm going to begin there. I'm going to rope him in righteousness. I'm going to rope him in identity. I'm going to remind him who he really is. He's not what he did. He is who I said he is. I say he is. He's my son. He's not the accumulation of his sin. He is my beloved son. And he said, I'm going to rope him every day with new clothes. I'm going to remind him he's a prince, not a prisoner. He's a son, not a slave. He's forgiven, not forgotten. He's, he's redeemed, not rejected. He's accepted, not abandoned. I'm going to remind him. I'm going to rope him with love until he's, his heart is healed go get the family ring the signet ring they signed signatures in antiquity with signet rings I'm going to restore his authority your identity unlocks your authority go get new sandals because I'm going to heal his destiny your destiny revolves around the revelation and understanding of your identity. When you find out who God's made you to be, watch where God leads you in life. Watch the doors open. Watch the opportunities come. Watch the, the dreams begin to flood into your life. Go kill the fatted calf because I want to celebrate my son. Everything he lost, he got back because of the gracious love of his father. Okay, ne next verse. Verse 17, if we're children, the Holy Spirit bears witness that we're the, ch the children of God. If then we're children, this is like a legal conclusion. This is like a legal summation. If we're children, then we're heirs. And then he, he could have stopped there. He didn't. Oh, yeah. We're joint co-equal heirs with Jesus Christ. That's where we lose religious people. What? Remember Jesus said, if I did it, you do it. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. The works I've done, you do. Well, you have to be a child of God to claim some of the outrageous promises of God and not be afraid of them, not be intimidated by them, and not just put them, assign them to some other time. No, when you're a child of God, you believe the promises of God. You believe God said it because he meant it, and you can claim it and walk in it. Well, how can you be so bold? I'm a child of God. Well, how, how can you pray for the sick? Jesus said I could. It's my inheritance. It's a part of my blessed grace given to me in Christ. Now, this is, this is so essential because we don't want to get to heaven and find out everything we missed out on earth. And so I don't want to get to heaven and find out you only claim 10% of your inheritance that was purchased by the cross through Christ. I want it all. I want to be everything God called me to be and do everything God called me to do and have everything God called me to have. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want it all. Yeah, why not? Why not us? Why not you? Why not now? Why can't we have it all? So the Holy Spirit helps us. Too many believers live and die without ever claiming their rightful inheritance as the beloved children of God. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, all the promises of God are yes and amen. God says yes and we say amen. Amen. So there's going to be a generation. God delivered two million Jews from Egypt. Brought them to the Jordan, said, cross over the Jordan, take your promised land. That's your inheritance. Drive out the seven nations there, conquer them, kill the giants, and take the land. They said, 
We like when you do everything and we do nothing. They thought like slaves, even though they were sons. And God had to wait for a new generation to rise up. And he said to Joshua, do everything that Moses didn't do. Cross over this Jordan, take your inheritance. There will be a generation that believes every promise of God. And walks in the fullness of the Spirit. Walks in the power of Pentecost. Walks in the power of the cross. That walks in the power of Jesus. That believes if God said it, we can have it, we can do it, it's ours. There will be a last day generation. That's what God's waiting for, dreaming of. Yes, revival is coming, but revival is coming to a Joshua generation that rises up and said, yes, we're going to have it. We're going to do it. We're going to cross over and take it. I got to, time has flown by. For time's sake, move with me to verse 26. Likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us. He helps us. He's our helper. In our weaknesses, for we don't know how to pray as we ought to. But the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now he, the Holy Spirit, who searches the hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Then we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God according to his purpose. I'm sorry it took so long to get here. A couple points. Here's what he said. You're not smart enough. You can't hit targets you don't even see. He said, when you don't know what to do, let the helper take over. The word helps there, the Holy Spirit helps us, is a great compound word, three words. It means uh, together with against. So it's a, it's, a por- it's a portrait of when I put my hands on it, the Holy Spirit puts his hands on it. And he's helping me together with me against a foe, against a need, a problem, demonic activity, whatever it is. So the Holy Spirit engages us in our prayer life. So when we don't, so I'm a big tongue talker. And well, Pastor, that's, you know, always for them. No, no, it's for you and it's for now. Unless you think you're so smart, you never need help in your prayer life. Come on. No, I'm not, you know. I pray for the church. I pray about every need. If you, if you turn to a prayer request, I will pray about it. But there's, of course, in the church, a thousand needs that weren't mentioned. So I pray in English. I pray scriptures. And then I turn over the steering wheel to the Holy Ghost. And I start praying in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says this, that, that we, we pray the perfect will of God. And he uses the word intercession, which means to hit the mark and bring to pass. You always pray a perfect prayer when it's a prayer filled with the language of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he has the mind of God. He's praying the will of God. Come on, you got to stay with me. Because there's been such an assault, such a belittling, and such a neglect, and such a a shamefulness brought to people that speak in tongues. You can't survive this generation without being a tongue talker. It's going to be tough. I'll tell the story. I'm sorry, beautiful Mary. Mary and I were dating, really engaged, and I was in my my sophomore year at seminary in Life Bible College in California, L.A., and I was working at Coldwell Banker the first part of that year. Uh, downtown, so my schedule was 8 to 5, Coldwell Banker, um, 6 to 10, night school, 
10 to 1 a.m. basketball practice. That was my schedule for my sophomore year of college. And uh, so I, 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 I got a little early out there, um, and I'm, I'm calling Mary from my phone booth. And uh, so young people, uh, Google it. It's, it's a plexiglass structure that people would walk into, and there was an ancient uh, antique phone, and, and if you gave it money, it let you, it let you talk. So I'm putting coins into this phone booth, and I'm oh, Mary, I love you. And she was the receptionist at my parents' church at 25th Street in Roosevelt here in town. So I love you. I love you more than words can say. I love you more and more every day. You know, um, I did write like 100 poems to her at least. And, uh, the, you know, some of them are good. Most of them are pretty funny. And so she said to me, I have to put you on hold. Someone just walked in. That's all she said. What's been hold? I'm thinking, I hope it's not too long because I don't have that, you know, I'm not rich with quarters here. So the moment she said that, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said to me, your fiance's life is in jeopardy. And I turned that phone booth into a Superman intercession booth. I hit my knees. I let the phone drop and dangle. It's the, the operator. I'm still putting in toppers. Please put it. I'm putting. And it felt like for an hour and a half, but maybe for five, seven minutes, I'm praying at the top of my lungs in my heavenly language because I don't know what she's going through. Earthquake, building collapse, fire. He just said she's in jeopardy. I had no, I'm not enough knowledge to pray through knowledge. I had to move into the spirit. So I'm praying and telling God, and I'm pounding that thing. And if you walk by, of course, I would fit in right now in downtown L.A. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 normal. <laughs> so she finally comes on five, seven minutes, but it was like that or it was longer. Yeah, and she's weeping, sobbing. She's, she, she's gathering herself. You're not going to believe what's happened. A man walked in carrying a large blood-covered butcher knife. He walked up to my desk, came as close as he could the, at the front of the desk, holding the butcher knife, looked into my eyes, filled with demons, and said, are you alone? And she wisely put the, the door behind her was my dad's office. I said, Pastor, she just pointed But he didn't leave. He stood there, didn't say anything. Just stood there staring at her. While I'm groaning in the spirit, angels are pushing back murderous devils. Come on, it's really happened. And, and after a while, didn't say we're just spun out. So he was an escapee from the mental hospital, catty corner from our church. Had murdered a guard, injured a bunch of other people jumped over the fence, and was on a murderous rampage until he ran into the Holy Ghost. Come on. Real stuff, real stuff. Driving home in 2020, in May, before we opened, we were, I think, to our knowledge, the first church to open in COVID. End of May, when it first June, whatever it was. And, but I taped all day, had a great day here at the at at the church. I'm driving home feeling wonderful. Driving up Central Avenue. Got some soft jazz playing on the radio. And I'm speaking 
quietly in tongues under my breath. What a great day. Just kind of recreation, just building myself up. And I came to the stoplight at Dunlap, and the Lord said, when the light turns green, don't go. I'm the first car there. I thought, oh, that's kind of a strange thing. So I thought, okay, light turns green. I just start counting. I stay, I stay with my foot on the brake. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, Between around 1,004 and 5, around 4 or 5 seconds into it, a large utility truck ran the light. Carrying a trailer filled with 30, 40 foot, foot wooden power poles. And it ran the light like at 50, 55 miles an hour. My little two-door car would have been right there. That would have been the end of my life. So the Holy Spirit will guide you through the minefield of life. He'll tell you, no, that's not the right person for you. No, that's not the right spouse for you. That's not the right job for you. No, that's the right place. That's a, he'll stop you from, he'll pr protect you. He'll, and, 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 and consequently, the last thing is this. We know that all things work together for good. We know how. Well, God's good. And God wants things to end good. But prayer allows your story to have a good ending. It can't work together for good until prayer is taken over. When I pray, God puts his hands on my mess. We know that all things, bad things, wicked things, evil things, hurtful things, devastating things, synergial, co collaborate, co cooperate, work together for the good, become more than they should have of those who love God, called by his purpose. God makes my pain have purpose. When I've given my pain to God in prayer, God makes my problem turn into purpose. When I've given my problem to God in prayer, God makes the difficult moments of my life uh, uh, great testimonial uh, uh, trophies of his grace when I allow prayer to take over the steering wheel. If it's not good yet, it only means God's not done yet. Don't stop praying, believing, and standing on God's word. Thank you for listening to me today. Would you please stand your feet, please? Prayer team, join me down front. Tell your neighbor God is good all the time. I preached four sermons. One of them is bound to help you. Lord, we are endlessly grateful fill us God fill us with your spirit fill us with love and joy and peace and kindness goodness faithfulness meekness patience self-control fill us with your amazing gifts guide us Holy Spirit direct our lives take over do miracles like only you can have your way in us and with us God as we close the service, we want to invite those that need prayer to make sure you receive prayer today. The most important thing in life is what you believe about Jesus. If you've never received, the Bible says this in chapter 4 of the book we just read, excuse me, chapter 6. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation's a gift we receive. Not, not a, an award 
that we achieve. God wants you to know his son. He wants you to know his love, his grace. Jesus loves you. Don't you love that song? He didn't want heaven without it. What a great line. Expressing the heart of God. Such good stuff. If you've never received Jesus, today's your day. If you've been away from God, don't let the devil have one more hour. Come back to God. He's, he's not angry at you. He's ready to heal you, help you, deliver you, forgive you, bless you, redirect you. If your heart's broken today, if you're going through a struggle in your mind, your heart, we're here to pray for you. If you need a healing in your body, or maybe there's things happening in the world that are spinning, they seem like they're out of control, and you need someone to pray the prayer of faith, we'd be so honored to pray for you today. Anyone needing prayer today for those or any other reason? Well, let me say this. I talked about praying in tongues. If you don't pray in tongues with, yet, don't ever believe that that's a gift that's not for you. We'd be so honored to pray for you and stand with you and help you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the scriptural evidence of praying in heavenly language. We want you to pray perfect prayers led by the Holy Spirit. If you want prayer for those or any other reason, would you please join us just for 60 seconds longer, church. Would you worship God with me while those seeking prayer come forward?